Hi. Welcome back to the home for anime. It's Cameron, and I think it's time for another homie check-in. But I don't think I can do this one alone, so I'd like to introduce my special guest, Maddie. How's it going? It's going swell. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, what are we talking about today? Talking about mental health and Kiki's delivery service. Right, because do you know what's really real uh, that we <laughs> didn't really think about when we were younger, but as we've grown has become more prevalent in our lives? What? Burnout. Burnout. Oh my god. That's been relevant for me all the time. It's It's so funny that this film that has meant so much to multiple generations now because kiki's delivery service came out in 89 correct oh my gosh it's pretty old i know it came out sometime in the 80s um, i might have that date wrong but it's just something that has defined a generation defined two generations because i know it meant a lot to millennials and to us as Gen Zers, and dare I even say, these alphas. <laughs> also, what an amazing name to get to be called Generation Alpha. It's Correct. Like you have all these people with their memes trying to be alpha males, but then it's like, well, there are people who are just automatically alphas now for some automatically. reason. Automatically. <laughs> But what I love so much about Kiki's delivery service is how fantastic of a world it is because it's very much like our own, just for some reason there are witches, but not in this super magical, we're going to go all over the place type thing, boom, bang, bomb. She's just... She's just living her life, and everyone's okay with it. There's nothing scary about this film. It's just about growing up, becoming a member of society. Yeah, I think that's what... We've talked about this before, where mm -hmm. that's what attracts people to Miyazaki's films, is that he takes all this time to study the characters so much, and they're all so different. And the reason Kiki attracts so many people is because it's very much a coming-of-age story for a young woman, and it's so interesting that somebody like Hayao Miyazaki can take an experience a life experience that's so different from his own and put it in a film and that's why I really revere Kiki's delivery service and him is because I relate to it every I mean everyone can relate to Kiki if like coming into like being 12 13 14 and then your life is suddenly turned upside down because a bunch of things are thrown at you that you're not used to you're not a kid anymore and that's why I like it so much and it's so odd to think, just going back to my own childhood, that somewhere between 12 and 14, that is where things start to change in so many different ways, as is the case with several adolescents. You know, you think, oh, 15, 16, or even 18, that's where things get real. But you get, I feel like as you grow, you kind of get these different levels of sentience so you know when you're a baby you're kind of just hanging out until one day snap you're like oh my god i'm alive 
And then that kind of doubles down once you hit somewhere between the 12 to 14 mark. I mean, some people may have experienced things like academic prowess or they might have experienced bullying or really you don't know what's happening in someone's home life, but there's just something extra added. And I don't know if that's because middle school is a thing or if it's just because that's when your body starts changing. But what Miyazaki did that I really appreciate with Kiki is we don't see the entire year that she goes in for training. She is just moving along life very slowly. It's very much a slice of life adventure. So we're watching this happening kind of in real time. So it's just impressive to me that while we don't see her continue to grow physically, we see this key moment in her life where she's growing mentally and emotionally. Especially because, and I, I, I don't know how you interpret this, but when she is in the midst of her development, after she's, you know, developed her feelings for Tanbo, and she finds herself not able to use magic. She also can't talk to Gigi, her cat, anymore. And it was so, it was very kind of revelatory. I don't think that's a word. It gave me a revelation um, because, you, you know, like, did you used to talk to your stuffed animals or try to talk to your pets? And you just have this active imagination of, oh, you know, they can talk to me. Yes, that's actually, it's the saddest part of the entire film, in my opinion. Slice of Life is the best way to put that. And it's true where you you start to enter the adult world and the adult world crushes your imagination and crushes your sense of childhood and innocence. And I think that's exactly what Kiki was experiencing. But then it's also like, how do you retain that that innocence in that childhood and make that a strength instead of something that is conforming? And that's that's where I see Kiki going through is kind of like, how do I become a, a person? How do I make money? How do I get people to like me? And what am I going to lose with that? And that's just what everyone goes through to an extent. It's just what is so impressive about Miyazaki and the film as a whole is he manages to give Kiki something that children, it seems like all children might feel like they are going through, which is, oh, everything is life or death because in the maybe last 20, 30 minutes of the film, of course, we have our adventurous Tombo who's just trying to fly but then we have kiki who after having lost her powers has to figure out well things are going horribly wrong how do i how do i save this boy who i like who is about to uh fall to his death that's a life-altering moment for her that's a defining moment in her life and i think that miyazaki realized all children go through something like that and he just he put it into the widest possible scale for her scope as a child because 
that's how we see certain things or that's how we saw certain things. I think it's true that people are faced with those decisions when they're growing up and it's it's a choice that you make either to stand by and watch something happen and then grieve it or to actually step in and do something about it. And that's exactly what he gave Kiki was that strength and that choice, that autonomous choice to be like, I'm actually going to step in and fix this situation and do something about it. Which it's so beautiful that it comes that this comes at the end that it's a it's a happy resolution to say that life does go on because while we're in the middle of the movie and I feel somewhat silly for going to the end but I just felt that it was fitting but going into the topic of burnout as Kiki is losing her ability to use magic as she's losing her ability to talk to Gigi and everything that she was working so hard for just kind of tumbles that that's the most relatable that's the most relatable aspect of the movie to me because mm -hmm. you know when you're a kid maybe it's like oh I'm so tired of trying to hold things together I'm tired of trying my best at school because I don't know about you but school got really hard for me <laughs> in middle school which is you know how old I would have been when this took place I was burnt out and I didn't realize it at that time because when you're a kid maybe you think about you know oh I'll be 21 one day I'll be 30 I'll be 50 maybe I'll be 100 you don't think about I'm gonna be 19 i'm going to be 20 i'm going to be 22 23 24 25 26 mm -hmm. as is the case with you and i so on and so forth and every now and then we have that internal struggle of i'm good at something or there's something that i have to do but it's lost its luster within me i no longer have the magic to make it happen so watching this as an adult means something different to me than watching it as a child because as a child i can relate to oh you know like i get it it's like it's hard kind of like losing these things that you really cared about and it's really hard to make those big decisions but the decisions just get bigger and as creative people, you and I both understand that we can't always make what we want to make, no matter how hard we try, because sometimes you just do something so much and for so long that even when you think, oh, God, I'm about to hit the stride, I'm about to reach the next plateau, you just stop and plummet yeah and also something with creativity and creative people is it takes effort and in kiki's delivery service you know when she goes and and handles painting with her friend who has that whole conversation with her about that the creative flow with that it's just like sometimes creative people can't create in that moment because of some kind of mental block or the mental block is so overbearing in a different aspect of life that it's like, okay, creativity comes natural, but it also takes effort to make it a thing. 
And sometimes you just can't put in any effort because of depression, because of anxiety, whatever it is, that external adult life that Kiki's going through and realizing that she's a part of is crushing and it becomes overwhelming and you just get depressed. And it's hard to create when you're in kind of a spiral like that. I mean, how can you be at your worst and still create things? Some people do. I've, I've experienced that a few times where it's like you channel it into a certain way, but sometimes it's just like, no, my creativity comes from joy and happiness and me living and experiencing life. And now that I am crushed beneath the weight of my own life, it's difficult to make something that I'm proud of. For me, it's like sometimes I manage to get that inspiration to keep going, but it comes from the worst possible place. And I hate that. I mm -hmm. hate it when my burnout is resolved by malice because there's no love anywhere in the project. And then I listen to it and I think, what have I done? Or I'll look at it and I'll think, this is, this is terrible. It's kind of like cooking, you know, like you can tell when something is made with love and when it isn't. Yeah, I can relate to that too. Whenever I make things, when I'm really depressed, a lot of my art in high school came from depression. And I look back at some of that and I kind of cringe because I'm like, oh God, you know, that's that hurts. It hurts me to look at some of that stuff. To reflect and think that that is something that you were going through and that that was the only way that you could think to express yourself. Yeah, and people put artists up on a pedestal who go through depression, like musical artists, painters, um, like Jean-Michel Basquiat, he definitely had a, a flavor of that in his art. I don't know if it was overtaking his art by any means, but, you know, people look at artists and they're like, oh, keep creating, keep doing more. We love this. But it's or like The Weeknd is a great example where it's like all of his music is riddled with depression and some kind of frustration. People just want him to keep creating instead of asking and reflecting. It's like maybe this person needs help, you know? Yeah, that is honestly a depressing aspect of the creative process and how we view creators. Honestly, I feel bad to think that when I was when I was younger, I could relate so much to Kid Cudi because I just thought, wow, he's upset. His music reflects that. Like he's going through a hard time. I'm going through a hard time. I don't feel alone. And maybe that's just telling of how the world keeps getting worse and maybe people aren't able to express themselves the way that these artists can so they kind of cling to them not even to the point of a parasocial relationship but and i understand this music or this art or this show this resonates with me and now i like this artist now this is someone who i follow their journey I follow, their content I follow, their art I follow. And I don't know, it's funny that burnout kind of goes both ways. Like you're miserable and you find people who commiserate with you, but you also find people who are inspired by your misery. But in the end, you're not creating what you want to create. And getting over that hurdle alone is very difficult. It's kind of like a loss of identity in a way because you get stuck in drowning and drowning becomes your identity. And then people love it and love you for it. 
and love what you make. And it is that question of what do I do now? If people love this version of me so much, am I going to continue with that because people like that? Or am I going to do my own thing? And I think that goes back to what we were talking about with Kiki and how she chose to save the boy, you know, and that was a choice where she could keep drowning and doing her thing and people wouldn't have cared either way with her. But because she stepped up and did something different and followed her heart on something, it changed the course of her life. Absolutely. And another thing that I think really helps with burnout, because she she did, she took a huge step forward. And I think that everything that she did from the midway point on can be contributed to Ursula, uh, the girl whose home she stayed in. Because I think that support genuine support is the best way to overcome burnout well one of two things because rest is also essential support and rest really do make a huge difference because ursula just was just straight up like you don't have to do this right away there's no pressure like if you can't do this right now who cares just wait do what you can and instead of just going bananas practicing and sulking over what she can't do kiki starts focusing on what she can do and she just moves forward from there and eventually it gets her back to what it is that she wants to do right because a lot of my experience growing up was being kind of forced into perfection And I had burnout, but I kept pushing through it. And yes, that creates strength in some ways, but it's also like ripping you apart from the inside out. And at some point, you just have to stop and realize what you're doing to yourself. And even if that's producing good results around you, like you can't keep going. It's not sustainable. And the thing that made me realize that was the pandemic when everyone was forced to kind of shut down and people were really forced to face what they were doing and who they were. And when I did that and I sat down, I realized that I was functioning on just pure anxiety, getting things done, not because it was healthy, but because I could do it if I pushed myself to 130%. I think that, well, I don't think, I know. I can tell you for a fact that this podcast was uh, a result of crushing loneliness uh that stemmed from the pandemic and honestly i i was the only person who i felt like wasn't doing much of anything with my life uh back then i think you were still working at disney world i had just gotten into graduate school but i i wasn't i wasn't fulfilled of course you know all of our other friends they were doing their things but we're all separated and i'm just alone and this is the only outlet that i could think of and then people start catching on to it and saying wow this is this is good we we like you we like your content so then i feel like i'm doing it not just for me but for other people and then it just feels like it's for other people and then it just feels like i have to do it 
And what happens is, for me personally, I get sick. Like when people say, like, I'm getting sick and tired of this, I actually physically get sick. There was a point where I literally could not speak because I was just so tired of everything. I I don't know if I forced myself mute. Some of the medications that I was taking from my health might have attributed to it, but I, I could not speak. And as a result, I just, I just sat in bed and applied for jobs because what else was there to do? Right. And it kind of goes back to that content creation for other people that we were talking about and mm -hmm. how sometimes musical artists are put up on that pedestal for people to, and they just ask, keep creating, keep creating. And like the way to have a successful podcast is consistency, right? So it's like, you can't argue with the things that create that success for your hobbies that you want to see be successful. There's no r real flexibility in the creative world when it comes to a certain point. And it really forces people into a corner and it, it does create burnout and people are faced with a choice of what to do from there. And I think that consistency got me to a good point because before I got bent out, I can say that in 2022, I looked, I looked back at it. I think I either released 45 or 46 episodes in 2022. That's almost an entire year's worth. 2023, I've released 27 and it's October. I took a huge step back because I had to focus on what I could do. And as a result, I feel like things are better now, not just mentally and emotionally, but where the podcast has gone. So I had to recover from burnout in a way that was healthy for me. And sometimes that means taking breaks or taking extended breaks. And sometimes that means just doing it when it hits me instead of sticking to schedules and being like, oh, well, I have this great idea for it. And like, no, just, just hold off on that idea for right now. Make True. sure that you are okay enough to do that idea and make sure that you can keep up with it because I... I want to view this as a job. I would love for this to be a job, but I can't let that be me. That's not what this is. This is my project, but it's not me. And this kind of goes back to, or what we're talking about is very much self-regulation. Mm -hmm. And talking about Kiki, she learns self-regulation and that's something that they're even incorporating in schools uh, for younger kids these days is, you know, how are they doing on this, this, and self-regulation is a whole category that they'll evaluate kids on. And people that are creative sometimes go along with neurodivergence. And neurodivergent people have a very difficult time with self-regulation. It's like one of the biggest struggles neurodivergent people deal with. And that burnout, what you're describing is a very big struggle for people in that community, which I would say is the majority of people these days that I encounter. Mm -hmm. But 
self-regulation is something that you constantly learn how to do. Like as a kid is when you're first presented with it around that tween era. But as you become an adult, I would say our age, 26, late 20s, going into your 30s, you really start to nail down, okay, like what is it that I need versus what I want and versus what I have to do? And how do I organize that for myself? And how do I know my limits? Knowing my limits has been one of my biggest things in my 20s. Like, when do I stop? Yeah, same. Trying to figure out. I I think you've, yeah, you've encapsulated my feelings perfectly. Like where to stop, what I need. Learning what I need has been both the greatest struggle and also one of the most pleasurable aspects of my mid to late 20s because learning to take care of me and knowing what that entails that is such a wonderful thing to focus on because it's not about anybody else it's not about anything else it's making sure that at the end of the day i am okay for me and inadvertently with me being okay with me, I'm being okay for others. So me yes. being the best version that I can be of me allows me to be the best version that I can be of other people, which again, we see with Kiki because once Kiki learns to accept herself, she's able to do something huge like save Tombo. Yeah, yes. And I feel like in... In all age groups, when I encounter people, I'll find people who just want to do things for other people. They say that it makes me happy to make other people happy. And that's all fine and true. But it's really hard to explain to those people. It's like, no, because when you care for yourself and you understand who you are and you spend that time with yourself, it's not selfish. That is not what being selfish means. It's understand the reason that we are alive, as far as I'm concerned is to experience life in this body. And if you aren't doing that, then you're not living life correctly. Like if you are living completely for other people just to make them happy, you're missing something about what the purpose of life is. And it helps you bring that full circle exactly like you said when Kiki does that for herself, she can do for other people. And it's a hard conversation to have and it's a long journey because I'm I'm sure everyone's kind of been there where they they think that I need to do something for other people because the way that kids are raised is you listen to your authority figures. Yes, no, this is right, this is wrong. And so as soon as you learn and grow and have that autonomy and learn what you think is right and wrong, develop that moral compass, develop that self-regulation system, develop um, your identity, it actually puts things in place for you to be able to be decisive about things, for you to know what your opinion is on certain things, and to um, respect your own opinion and respect yourself. Mm -hmm. What's cool about that is there are actually two conversations that I've had in the past year or two since the pandemic that have really meant a lot to me. One was with my mom and one was with my therapist. And my mom told me, she said, and I don't, I I can't fully say the context, but she said, Cameron, you, you know how I raised you and I am proud of the things that you have done. I am proud of what you've accomplished. 
She said, but I want you to know that ultimately it's up to you to become who you think is right. Like who you think is right. Like who Cameron is. I know who I raised. There are certain morals and values that I hope you carry with you. But ultimately, everything is up to you to decide. That's a really noble thing for a parent to say. Not a lot of parents will say that. Right. And the second conversation that I had was with my therapist who I told her, I said, I, I feel very much like I'm giving a lot to others. But I also feel like I might be asking for a lot and I feel guilty when there are things that I want for myself or that I want to do for myself. And she told me, it's okay to be selfish. It's not a detrimental quality. It doesn't mean that you're taking anything away from anyone because what a lot of people view as selfish in society realistically is just you wanting better for yourself now i would say there's a difference between selfish and greedy but being selfish is not necessarily always a bad thing so it's how do you live for you i always view selfishness as treat yourself and so every time that i am feeling bad i just treat myself and like that is inherently being selfish, you know, doing something nice for yourself, doing something that you don't need or have to do, but you want to do. That's totally part of the human experience. You kind of you do in a way you have to do those things because it's part of life. Uh, fun fact, I actually just uh, I waited for the price to go down as low as it could possibly go. And Prime Day just happened. So I went ahead and got um, I got a couple of Blu-rays, so I got the Blu-ray for a show that I covered on here called Made in Abyss. The second season came out on Blu-ray and a movie that Crunchyroll sent for me to review like earlier this year, maybe late last year, called Sing of Anna Harmony, which I really loved. I went ahead and I picked those up for Prime Day because I'm like, I, I deserve something. So yeah, it's just a little, it's just a little, oh yeah, I, I want something for me you know it's in the budget so why not and you gifted it to yourself and that's something that i've had conversations with my therapist about is when i was feeling really desperately alone during the pandemic when i was locked inside and had really only one other person to talk to and we were still developing a friendship i was like i don't know what to do like i can't validate myself and she was like you have to learn how to be your best friend and that is the piece of advice with everything she said that i have carried with me through everything that i do like I'm, I moved to a city alone. I know nobody here. And what am I doing? Cooking dinner for myself, talking to myself <laughs> all the time, doing things for myself, going to insomnia cookies down the road just because I want to sometimes. It's like, sure, you have to balance those things with finances, blah, 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 the adult world, balancing that with the adult world sucks. But it is, you have to pretend like you're an external person to how you dissociate or feel about yourself and put yourself outside of your body think of that per like project a another you outside and think of that person as a friend because if you if you always think of yourself as one 
and you're just kind of in yourself all the time, you kind of start to hate yourself sometimes. But when you put that person outside of your body, you you look at them with sympathy. Like looking back, someone told me one time, it was like looking back at who you were when you were young. If you have a lot of shame, if you have a lot of shame surrounding who you were when you were like a young kid, you know, oh, I did that wrong. I did this wrong. It was like one, people kind of make you feel that way about your own decisions and that's rude. But two, it's like, would you look back at your younger self at like a five-year-old and say that you're worthless, that you're not enough, that what you did was wrong? No, like you would never say that to any kid. Why would you say that to yourself? I actually just view it as um, I want to be able to look myself in the eye. If there was another one of me, I would want to be able to look in, in the eye and be able to give them a hug. If I can do yes. that, if I can say that I could do that, if given the opportunity, then I think I'm doing a really good job. Right. It's really that um, that idea of being connected with who you are at all stages in your life because you are never the same person that you were yesterday, 10 years ago. You're always different. And so loving yourself is hard. You have to love who you are in the worst moments and to be able to take bad moments in your life and view them as important, not necessarily good. It doesn't have to be good, but view them as necessary and put that together as the whole package of you and how that will even change. Like it's not fully wrapped. It's not over. Like you will continue to go through good and bad things and all of it is important. And ultimately, even if it's not as aesthetically pleasing as a Ghibli film, it's just as beautiful, if not more. Because yes, it's, because it's yours. And it's uniquely yours. It's something that nobody else goes through. And this is something that I've wrestled with and came out of depression understanding. And like everyone gets depressed still. I'm not exclusive from that. But it's like when you when you can realize like, oh, no, these things made me who I am. And I've grown from them and with them. And all of that is a part of me. And this is the reason that I'm living life. It's because I know these things are going to happen. I'm not necessarily prepared for them, but I expect them to continue happening. And if it if it's repetitive, I have the power to change it. And I, I'm in control of my own life. And that's honestly the best thing that you can ask for for yourself. Yeah. I do have one question just because you mentioned insomnia cookies. Uh, <laughs> do they still have the blueberry pie cookie or is it? I did not see it on the menu. Okay. So it's probably out of season. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Some of the, like I tried the vegan cookie there and it was so bad. I don't know if you've ever gone out on a limb to do that, but I, don't I, do it. I don't think I ever would. It was terrible. Well, not to insult vegans, but I will ask, do you have anything else that you would like to say on this topic? <laughs> Sorry, vegans. <laughs> Insomnia cookies is really not helping you out. Um, Not really. I feel very full and whole because I love Kiki's Delivery Service and it always puts me back into that frame of mind. Watching any Studio Ghibli film kind of puts me into that frame of mind of I'm a whole person and who I was as a kid is different and part of me. I I feel like whenever I need a piece of self-discovery or I need to rediscover something about myself or kind of give myself a little reminder 
then I'll just pop one of them in. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel. It's like revisiting things in my past and parts of who I am. And it's comforting because I watched them as a kid growing up. And even if you watch them as an adult growing up, you really feel that same kind of relativity watching it because you can always throw yourself back into your own childhood. But it's comforting to watch those things. It's so funny that you mentioned that. Uh, and this is getting just a bit off topic, but the oldest that I was when exposed to a Ghibli film was, I think I might have been in my 20s when I first saw Only Yesterday. And that is my favorite out of all of them. I love Only Yesterday. So, yeah, it just it doesn't matter how how old you are there's there's a ghibli film for everyone i feel like for everyone mine changes just depending on my state of life or my mood like originally i think it was princess mononoke then it was spirited away then it was my neighbor totoro because i love my sister and it reminds me of my sister and then now i think it's it used to be ponyo too for a minute um and now it's um what did i oh yeah um oh gosh when um when Marnie you was know there. The, I love that one too. That was a whole thing for me when I was uh, in college. That was a big feeler for me in college. But there's the one of the the boy, I just was watching it. And he's doing journalism. And oh my gosh, he goes on this train that collapses and helps this woman who's injured. Oh my gosh, I'll have to remember it later and tell you. You're not talking about Poppy Hill, are you? Maybe it is Poppy Hill. Yeah, I think I am talking about Poppy Hill. Not... Okay. I really like that one. That one's speaking to me right now. Yes, that is what I'm talking about. Okay. Do you like that one? It's not my favorite. Oh, I think it's great. But um, I want to thank you so much for joining me to talk about this and just tell everyone who's listening that it is okay to experience burnout and you will get through it at some point and there's no need to rush no need to rush but uh thank you all for listening and we sincerely hope that you have a wonderful day evening morning night whenever you listen to this and bye bye